Welcome to the Maker Vision Podcast, a podcast where we help you take your ideas from a dream to reality. Each episode will cover topics to help you overcome frustrations we all encounter in our maker community. I'm Trevor Wanamaker, a part-time maker running MakerExperiment.com, and my co-host Stephen Ellis is a part-time woodworker running Old South Woodcraft. We have both encountered bumps and pitfalls along the road we call making, and we are using this podcast to help you avoid the same pitfalls. Welcome to the Maker Vision Podcast for episode 14, and this week, Steven is back in town. What's going on, man? Ah, things are going good, man. Things are going good. I've had three weeks basically almost straight out of town. Um, I've been down at the coast uh, doing hurricane recovery work. Um, So for those of you that don't follow me on Instagram or that are new listeners, uh, I'm an environmental consultant by day, so... Uh, when major disasters happen, there's a lot of environmental impacts. So, unfortunately, I guess, and fortunately, I have been doing a lot of that work in the last three weeks, so I have been unavailable. And I'm sorry to all of our listeners that we missed an episode last week. That was my fault because I was out of town and Trevor was sick, so there's definitely nothing that Trevor can do about that. I wish I would have been in town, but uh, when duty calls, duty calls. So, Well, it wasn't just uh, your fault. Because I was sick all week. Well, I was, I'm saying, you know, it's like you get a pass. You can't, you know, you can't fix sick that easily, especially when you have two small children. Well, I think the reason I got sick is I gave my daughter a hug and she was sick and then she sneezed into my mouth. So I think that's why I got sick. But that's okay. That's entirely on you for having your mouth open. Well, you know. <laughs> parenting i think no matter what you do it's gonna happen eventually pretty much pretty much so you're recovering uh how are you doing otherwise besides recovering um i saw you were on ig last night talking about some things yeah so electrical is getting done so it's it's going yes. a little slow which is fine uh because the guy's kind of doing it well he's doing it at a great price for me yeah. So the time I kind of expected it to take a little while, and I wasn't in a huge hurry. So the all the outlets for the 110 are in except for the ceiling. It's not bad. And then all the boxes are in for all the outlets except for the ceiling. And he ran out of supplies yesterday, so he has to get that stuff, and I think he's going to make some hour-long uh trips during the week this week to try and uh button up some of that stuff gotcha but when all said and done i should have four 220 outlets and then four to five 110 outlets on each of the three walls that's 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 i will i will have overkill i think of power the thing is is like in a shop like yours power power is never overkill yeah and it'll be either four or eight outlets in the ceiling for most of that's for lighting so it's just easy to take them out if i have to replace them yep and the other thing is if i ever want to put cord reels in i can just plug them straight in and well that'll be nice yeah so it's kind of a. he kind of told me you know i'll just tack on the materials if you want to add the outlets don't worry about the labor so i was like go ahead and add them yeah, that's, I mean, you fa- you definitely found a deal with this electrical guy. He's even though he's yeah. doing it piecemeal, which I mean, you're you're gonna get that. You're either gonna get you know, good and fast, good and cheap, or cheap and fast. So he's yeah. he's giving he's giving you good and cheap. So you're you're not getting the fast part. Which I mean, I'm okay with with, with you with you being sick for a week. Clearly, it's not like you needed power anyway. So no, and no. that's that's the good thing is well, even he said. Because there were, we had planned on two two twenty circuits, mm-hmm. with three of the outlets being tied together and one being dedicated. And he said, "Well, it'll be easier for me to run the far wall as a dedicated circuit. Do you mind if I just do it that way, and then you'll have three dedicated?" And I said, "I don't see that as a bad thing." So sure. <laughs> I mean, sure. I mean, the good news is most of the time you don't have two 
220 items running at the same time unless you have a big 220 dust collector and a you know your your fat your uh saw stop about said fast stop i don't know why I don't know. that's what i'm gonna have though i'm gonna change everything that can go 220 i'm gonna change to 220 that's good that's good yeah i mean for all of our listeners out there if you can go 220 go 220 it's so much nicer your motors last longer pulls less power your motor lasts longer because it doesn't get heated it doesn't heat up as, as bad and generally the motor is quieter i don't it know exactly how to, i don't know exactly how to explain that maybe it's because of the the current and the amperage it's running um i'm not an electrical expert but it generally is overall quieter motor so if you can do it do it if you can't it's totally cool 110's working 110 is how we all got started exactly. or if you're like me i'm like one one tenth so I'm like one one hundredth because I'm hand tools. I get yeah. There I'm you just go. using that you know horsepower in my arms. Yeah, I'm going from one outlet total. Like in my last house, I had one mm-hmm. outlet in the garage. Oh yeah, it was fun times when we were building yeah. stuff. And this house has one outlet. Now I'll be able to leave things plugged in, versus having to constantly unplug and plug different things in. Yeah, so yeah. that'll be nice. We've 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 all been there. The the. Uh, the struggle is real, which is actually perfect because that literally is the title for this episode. Episode 14, The Struggle is Real. Uh, Trevor, do you want to kind of explain what that means uh, for this episode? Because of the last couple of weeks have changed a lot of things. Oh, you mean the fact that we haven't been in the shops? The fact that we haven't been in the shop. Sometimes as a maker, you literally have other struggles that will take you out of the shop. Even if you are a full-time maker... You get sick, you have family emergencies, you have you have kids, you have dog, cat, you know, snake, lizard, whatever. You have significant other. You just have things that pull you out of your shop. Unfortunately for me, it's been my job because if I don't have my day job, I don't have insurance, I don't have a way to pay for half my stuff because most of us didn't have a shop that automatically just made money the day we open. So we still have to supplement income. So we're going to kind of cover the struggles that we've had um, because Trevor moved across country. That's a struggle. My job takes me out of town quite frequently. That's a struggle. Sickness, having kids, things like that. We're going to talk about some of the struggles that I think all makers have in some some capacity and how we can still, you know, even if we can't be in our shop, we can still keep making in the loop. So I guess... Trevor, do you want to start off with your with your really big one, with like your major struggle you've had in the last 12 months? Well, the biggest struggle I've had is getting anything made while we were preparing to move across the country. So we moved from South Carolina to Nevada, which we were fortunate enough to be able to hire a moving company for the most part. Mm-hmm. There were some things they wouldn't move, which I moved myself. Uh, so I still had to take the, you know, 2,300 mile drive, but overall they packed a lot of it and they moved a lot of it. But that being said, when we moved here, we didn't have a house or anything. We ended up moving in with my sister-in-law for a couple of months. So I didn't really have anything tool wise to make anything. So I tried to find ways to still make stuff or put out content without having anything that I needed to do so. So that led to a lot of design work. It led to this podcast, actually. This podcast came from the fact that I didn't have the ability to physically make anything. So but you had sharing to, you knowledge had to keep was a your... big thing. Yeah, you had to keep your brain in that mode or else you're going to lose it. Exactly. Yeah. So um, your way was to was to still produce content, was still focus on website, focus on the podcast, focus on a lot of the, I guess, non-tangible things, things you can't actually put your hands on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to kind of talk about things that you could potentially do uh, if, say, if you are moving. Or if you're in the military, like, uh, you know, a good number of makers are, you know, um, my job took me to a military base. That's where I've been for the last two weeks uh, looking at at military housing. And a lot of these guys are gone for a significant period of time. 
and they don't have any way of making it. It's not like they can pack up their shop and take it with them to Kuwait or Afghanistan or Germany or wherever they are stationed. But I've heard a couple of guys um, do, do two different things. A lot of them will take books and like drafting paper and things like that, and they'll research furniture they want to build, or they'll research a, a piece they want to work on, or, or they research something that, that's, that's part of their making, and then draft hundreds of ideas. You know, they've got the time to draft, they just don't have the, the tools to, to physically make, so they're working through and they're making many, many drafts of something they want to work on, and guess what? Because they have that many drafts, whenever they come back home, they could probably knock that project out very quickly. Because they know what the you know they already know what their dimensions are. They know what you know what what tools, materials they need, things like that. So there's there's that, and then there's also um, at least for for me as as a as a uh, woodworker. Um, I know not all of our makers listening are woodworkers. Some of them take small small things like a small tool roll and put uh, green carving tools. You know, if you're fortunate enough to be in a location that's got a tree, there's normally, you know, or not a tree, but multiple trees, there's normally a limb broken off somewhere or somebody's cut down a tree. You can do green woodworking with a very small, finite amount of tools. I mean, whittling is pretty much like, I think, kind of like the oldest woodworking. You take sharp metal item and apply it to small green stick and make something. Now... Do you have, are you going to make anything intricate and super complicated? Probably not until you really get, you know, yourself finessed. And then all of a sudden, like I've seen a lot, I've seen a lot of these guys overseas turn out some crazy, amazing, they're almost like miniature totem poles because they've got little faces, they've got figures, they've got all sorts of these things, you know, on a piece that's maybe an inch by an inch and a foot long, and it's so detailed. And, you know, it takes very little tools to do that. It just takes your time and, and effort. That reminds me of that person that carves the number two pencils. Oh, yeah. Like the yeah, pencil yeah. lead. Yeah, that is kind of crazy. Or the, well, I think there's an Indian guy that would carve rice. I haven't seen that one. Yeah, he would carve it and it was so small. Like he, I think he could fit it in like the eye of like a, sew, like not a regular sewing needle, but like a, like a knitter's needle. So it's just slightly bigger, but I mean, it was that small and he would carve like a whole like set. It was crazy. Ridiculous. Yeah. So, I mean, there's many things, there's many ways you can do that whenever you're nowhere near your shop. Well, there's even, so even if your shop is here, Mm -hmm. but maybe you don't necessarily get the time to be in it. Because I think that's one that a lot of makers can relate to as well. Yes. Like they have their shop, but either work takes them away like it has mm-hmm. for you. Yes. Or, you know, you're spending time with family, whatever it might be. So like my shop is here now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but from, you know, Monday through Friday, the moment I wake up until about 9 p.m., I'm not in it because I'm going to work and then helping my kids with schoolwork so what i typically do is i take my lunch break and instead of going out to lunch or whatever watching youtube or whatever it might be (laughs) i typically spend that lunch time designing an illustrator for like sign designs but it's also a good time to if you are doing woodworking work in SketchUp or practice SketchUp if you've never used 3D modeling. So it's a good time to, you know, utilize. It's it's there. You're taking it anyway. But I think that's one of those times where you'll find people that really want to do this and try to make it a business, mm-hmm. try to find every moment in the day they can to work towards that. So whether it's designing during your lunch or taking a phone call on your way home, whatever it might be, you try to do those things that otherwise would be wasted. So instead of wasting an hour to two hours a day, whether it's commute time or lunch time or whatever, you're putting that one to two hours into something constructive, which is what I've been trying to do as much as possible. 
Except for this last week when I was sick, I was just kind of like, okay, I need to rest just, and just relax. Just take care but, of yourself. Just take yeah, care of yourself. You need to be able to draw that line too. If you feel terrible, know when to just stop. Because last, it was Friday. I put my daughters to bed. I was like, okay, I'm going to finish assembling my router table. It's all here. It hit like 9 p.m. My daughters fell asleep. And I felt so awful, I passed out, and I didn't wake up until 9 a.m. the next day. Yeah. And I felt way better. Totally. And, and sometimes you have to do that. Your body needs needs the rest. It needs the reset. And I know I'm kind of, you know, preaching to the choir here, uh, or, or not preaching to the choir. Oh, what am I trying to think of? I'm, uh, I can't think of the word right now, but it'll come to me whenever I don't need it. <laughs> but basically, I, I'm the type of person that will work into the, you know, end of the, the, uh, the midnight ground. hours. No, not well. I'll work myself in the ground sometimes. If if I have to get a project out, I will work as much as it takes to get the project out. Yeah. But most of the time, I do a lot of my work at night. Because because one because it's it's very, I guess calming i mean i i definitely get a workout in sometimes whenever whenever i'm doing some really you know really intense planning you know i it's it's a lot of workouts so i definitely get my heart rate up but at the same time it's very calming and i can work myself way into to late hours and you know what it probably did me a little bit of good but it probably didn't do me as much good because then the next day i'm like oh gosh i don't even want to get up today it's like yeah. i don't want to do it i don't want to deal with this today so maybe if i do that two or three days in a row Guess what? One night I might come home and be like, man, I'm gonna get on it. It's six o'clock. Let's just let's just get in the shop and work in there for a couple hours. Six o'clock rolls around. I sit down on the couch to change my shoes. You know, change change into stuff I can wear in the shop. And I'm like, mm, don't you know? I'm not feeling so great. Let me just let's sit here for a few minutes. And eight thirty, nine o'clock rolls around. I'm like, oh crap! I just took a uh, unscheduled three hour nap. So that has happened. Well, so don't don't push your help, don't don't push yourselves too guys don't push yourselves too hard out there um, know what your limits are because that struggle is definitely real uh, pushing yourself too hard to finish a project can just end up making you lose time on the back end or or, or lose focus and make and make mistakes well and there's some things that you can't you can't help so for example, I have a project now where I have to make a sign and it is acrylic and I ordered the material and I waited about a week because the lead time to get it was about a week. A week went by, the material still wasn't here. So I called the company, asked them where it was. They said, oh, that material's backordered, and we're not expected to get any until the following Monday. Which was not posted anywhere on their website. They never told me. And I was like, okay, guys, you can't you can't not make people aware that your material's backordered. So at least Brockler, when I ordered the router, they told me it's backordered. But this one, they didn't tell me anything. So... I ended up canceling that order, ordered from a different place, and had the acrylic show up within four days. Sometimes you get put on delays that you can't help. And the biggest thing is to be clear with whoever you're working with, your client, and tell them, hey, you know, I had a delay in the material. It's on me. It's my fault. But if you tell them that, they're typically okay with it. And they're like, okay, just let us know when you get it and when you're doing it. Now, if you get to the end and you said, oh, I'm a late because I had this delay material, it just looks like you're blaming somebody. Yep. So as soon as you have a delay, you should communicate it. And those delays happen and there's nothing you can do about it. Because there's nothing I could have done to foresee that the material was backordered because when I called to talk to them about it, they never told me it was backordered. That's when I just went to a different supplier, which is another thing. It's always good to have a backup supplier. Yes. No matter what yes, you have. Yes, 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 yes. 
Yeah, I mean, we all can't predict everything that's going to happen. Those sorts of struggles are going to happen mm-hmm. quite frequently, especially, you know, you get close to the end of a project and all of a sudden, all of a sudden you realize, oh shoot, I, I mean, I, I thought I had enough out of this one piece to finish what I needed, but it's just, it's just, you know, an inch short. Well, now you got to, you know, if it's, say, 8 o'clock at night, you can't go out to just any place and buy the stuff you're looking for. Especially yeah. if you're a woodworker, you can't just go and buy cherry at 8 o'clock in the evening. If you do, it's probably going to end up costing you a ton of money. And it may not be the best quality, you know, because you won't have time to to cull the wood and really see what's there. Um, so, you know, those sorts of things prop up and those sorts of struggles, you know, struggles definitely happen. Another struggle that I've I've had <laughs> recently is uh, is just being a you know just just being able to uh, to balance time you know even when I'm in the shop you know you're in there you're working you go to grab something you're like oh shoot this thing isn't sharp or ah oh, man I thought I had twenty sheets of sandpaper I've only got like three because or, the, you didn't realize do what. Or your friend comes over to joint a board and you find out your blades are nicked. Yeah, that happens. That happens. <laughs> yeah, I remember that one. That was I was like, why the heck am I getting this weird little mark there? And lo and behold, yep. we turn turn ahead and oh look, somebody's got a nick in their in their joiner blade. Yeah, that that part kind of stinks. Yes, yes. Or you run a bunch of wood through your planer and you don't realize how you know how dense the wood is because it says it's not necessarily not supposed to be that dense but whatever you have is just really old or really tough or something like that and you burn your planer blades that's happened to me before luckily most commercial planers have dual-sided blades typically. and you can typically typically you can uh, you can undo them and get a fresh clean edge but say you've already done that once now you've got two bad edges on one planer blade, and you can't do nothing about it because if you have a special, you know, special kind of order, you know, planer, not something, not a rigid or not a, you know, Ryobi doesn't make planers. DeWalt. DeWalt, something like that that's not carried at a big box store, you're ordering those planer blades because they don't, they don't just show up on a shelf. Usually if it's something relatively inexpensive... Which, you know, is all relative to whatever the tool is. But I typically try to have a spare set if it's something that I use very often. So like planer blades, when I bought my planer, I bought a spare set of blades with it. And then with my joiner, when I bought it, the person I bought it from actually had a spare set of blades for it. So it's always good to have a backup when you can. Now there are things, so for the laser that I have, I don't really have backup components just because of the cost. So those are things that I kind of just have to deal with if they happen. But overall, it's good to have spares of things when you can, whether it's you know a spare router bit that you use really often or spare planer blades or a spare saw blade whatever if it's not too expensive it's always good to have a backup for the tools you use all the time because eventually you know it's going to go and it's always going to happen at the inopportune moment you're going to be in the middle of the project and it's going to go out or it's going to go bad or it's going to go dull whatever or uh, someone doesn't know how to tighten down a collet on a router and you you spool it up and you're cutting and all of a sudden it kind of starts working its way out and then it throws the router bit or just completely falls out and destroys a workpiece. Did that happen to you? That has not happened to me. I've had one where it has started to get a little loose and the bit like started to slowly slide out and it was I knew it was not cutting right so I stopped it. Um, but I mean that's it's the story we've all heard like anytime it's like Anytime you go to the store and buy a router bit, especially if it's not like a just a go in there and buy buy one and leave, yeah, it's always like, hey, make sure you tighten down that collet or make sure it's the right collet or you know check it check it beforehand. 
Yeah. Especially in a, in a router table because you can't see the collet a lot of times to yeah. see how it tightens. So good luck on your new fancy dancy, you know, I can see table. how it tightens. Oh, you can? So the on this one you take the the red plate off of it and then you raise the router up so it has the router lift built into it. So you pull it all the way up and then you can you can tighten the collet from the top of the router table. And you can change the bits and whatever you need to from the top. So none of it's really hidden. So it's nice from that perspective. That's good. That's good. But I think I'm going to start buying half-inch shank bits because that's what that router takes. All I have right now is quarter-inch because that's what my trim router was. But the uh, half-inch ones are a lot beefier. Keep the uh, keep the quarter-inch because trim routers are always like super handy. But now, if you're going to run anything of any substance through a table, always yeah. have the half-inch. I'm going to have both. But the if I'm buying new ones... You're gonna start that buying are gonna be used more on the router table. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna go more half inch, so it's a little beefier and it has less chance of just snapping. Because I've heard horror stories of the shank on quarter inch snapping. Well, it's because a lot of times people think because that table's there and it's got a fence that they can push harder on it, or they need to push harder on it. No, because you'll bend it, you'll bend it, or you'll snap it. Especially yeah. these cheaper, uh, cheaper router bits. Um, they're not soldered as well. Or braced yeah. as well to, to to put the carbide teeth on them, and they might overheat the shank and make it brittle. Yeah, and that's another thing is I typically don't buy any buy any blades that are not not carbide. I mean, I don't think they make. Well, they I probably think they still do. do. They they still do on certain things, but most of them are, are actually just carbide teeth on a, I guess, just a regular carbon body yeah. uh, bit. But no, all the teeth are carbide. Because I don't think you can, well, you can resharpen them, I think, on a diamond plate, but I don't Yeah, know. I'm going to get a quarter-inch shank collet for it. So you that, mean half-inch? Uh, it comes with the half-inch collet. Oh, okay. But I'm going to get the quarter-inch collet so I can still use the bits that I bought in the past. Because I have a flush trim bit that I use a lot. Um, I typically use it in the trim router, but for smaller things... It'd be nice to just run them across the table because there's not a lot of surface for the trim router to sit on. Uh, just no, no. Just go ahead and if you're gonna do a flush trim or a pattern pattern bit, one I think pattern pattern bit I think has the bearing on the bottom between the mm -hmm. shank and the head, and yeah. I think a flush trim has the bearing at the top. Just go uh, ahead. Mine and... has the bearing at the bottom. Oh, it is okay. I can't remember that. I think they they come both ways. Okay. Well, I don't know. I think there, there's pattern bit and a, and a flush trim bit. They always get inter interchanged. Some have um, bearings on both, which is they do odd, because but... it depends on how. Like, if you're going to use it freehand, you want yeah. the bearing on one side, but if you're going to use it on a table, you want the bearing on the other. Yeah, all um, monitor at the bottom. Okay. Yeah. Just go ahead and buy a white side bit, or a, 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 a mana maybe or infinity. I can't remember who owns who. They have remember. some that have two bearings on them, so it's a lot more bearing surface. But yeah. they're an up, they're an upcut spiral bit, and they make a like a super super smooth pass. I'll have to look into those. Yeah, go ahead and be warned. They're like fifty fifty five bucks a piece. Well, that's not surprising. Yeah, but you got a good deal on the on the router table, so yeah, buying bits is not too terribly upsetting. It'll be at that point. it'll be one of those things like maybe buy a bit. A month and if you do it like a little bit at a time yeah. just like you're buying your tools if you buy things a little at a time it's not so bad it's when you go to buy those big ticket items that it seems you know horrific to your expenses oh that's yeah uh, or the struggle of buying a big ticket item and then you're like oh crap i've got to have all these little little odds and ends pieces with it i know because oh i bought a really nice router table do you have a router? No. Got to buy a router now. Do you have bits that are designed for that? No. Got to buy router bits now. It's Do you a have push blocks? Problem. No. Oh yeah, it's definitely yeah. The the struggle of a maker is generally a, is generally pretty first world problems. But there are makers yeah. out there that are pretty crazy inventive in some yeah. of these countries, some of these other countries. But I did so I did get the router table, and then I had to buy the router because I didn't have one that fit the router lift. And yep. the router I had is like a Craftsman one from the 80s or 90s or something. So it's 
like one horsepower maybe. So the new one, I bought it specifically to fit the router lift. And now that I bought it, it's like, okay, I don't have any half inch shank bits. So now I have to buy either half inch shank bits or the quarter inch collet. So it's one of those things you usually buy the tool and then you have to buy all the accessories. So it doesn't yes. look that bad at the front of it. Yeah, it's so like, if, man, I just saved $75 on a router. Like, if you're doing a joiner or a table saw and it comes with a blade, you can get by for a while. But when it's a router, you have to have bits to use it. Yes. Or, you know, there's other pieces of equipment that are the same way, where you buy it and then you find out you need all this other stuff. Like, you have a mm -hmm. bandsaw that comes with a blade, but that blade does not cut the way you need it to cut. So then you have to buy a different blade. So those kind of things. Yep. I mean, that's the, that's just the struggle of a maker is it generally you're not, it's not a, if you're lucky, you have a one-time purchase on big ticket items, you know, buy it once and hopefully you'll have it for a long, long time, mm -hmm. but you generally can't just get away with paying X price and being out the door ready to go. Yeah. I wish I, w I wish I could say you could do that. The only time you can do that is is buying used, and hopefully they'll pitch in a bunch of stuff all together. Because it's like if I'm going to sell this table saw, and I don't need a table saw anymore, I don't need a dado stack, I don't need push blocks, I don't need you know a Wixie gauge. So yeah. if you're lucky, you can buy like buy it all out then. But most of us are not that fortunate. Shoot, I most of the time a used table saw, I don't think it even comes with a blade in it. Mine did come with a blade. That's nice. My joiner actually came with an extra set of blades. Even better. I just haven't changed them cheap. Yeah. You need to. I've seriously considered changing that joiner to the Shelix head. The, you know, mini carbide. Yes. Just but... because I nick the material. Because some of them, I don't know if it's the wood that my dad gave me. Because it's some... Uh, older stuff that was just sitting outside of one of his friend's properties. So I don't know if there was stuff in the wood and I just didn't see it. And that's what nicked it or what happened. Or if it was nicked before I got it and I just didn't notice. There's a potential it was nicked before you got it and you just didn't notice because you didn't know exactly what to look for at the time. I mean, that's, yeah. that's entirely possible. You learn. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to go ahead and make the recommendation as little as you use your jointer don't buy the Shelix. That could be too. Because you're probably going to put out like, I can't remember how much a Shelix is for yours. They're like, like 300 They're three oh, or okay. four, I think. I thought it was like 600 for yours, but maybe not. Maybe that's the 8-inch version. That's probably the 8-inch. Okay. But still, I mean, you're looking at spending a lot of money. How many, how many jointer True. single blades could you buy for that? You could buy a lot, and how often are you True. using your jointer? Good point. Look at that, thinking. The the hand tool guy's thinking about power tools for you. There you go. Yeah, yeah. So bringing us back to the, the hand tool game, um, because everyone knows I'm obsessed with hand tools, and I love to look at them. I love I to look for them. I think that's an understatement. I love to research them. Yes, I know. I think you just want to like lay in bed with them. No, I'm not that weird. That's I'm only <laughs> a certain level of weird. That's not that. Only yeah, certain. I'm, not, I'm only a certain level of weird. No, um... Another thing you can do when you're out of town is just look at antique shops. If you're if you're a hand tool person, or shoot, if you're a leather worker or a metal worker, look in look at antique shops. Look in like like the habitat was it reuse or something re re. Uh, what is that called? Re something. Restore the, the restore. Re yeah, yeah. Yeah, the habitat restore. Just look for stuff. I mean. I mean, I don't, I guess because I don't do, you know, I've hardly done any leather work. I don't know exactly what leather tools look like so much. But you never know what you might find in an antique store. I've found plenty of leather punches, the little automated ones you just squeeze with your hand and it just punches one hole at a time. Yeah. I've seen those numerous times in an antique store. So, I mean, if you can't make, you could at least expand your shop or go in and look at an antique store and just be like, man, these are some really nice 
you know, pieces of furniture. This is a really nice leather chair. This, you know, get some inspiration. Well, and the inspiration, other thing is, inspiration is 90% of making. The other thing you can do is if you're somewhere you haven't been before, well, even if it's somewhere you have been before, carry one of those like pocket notebooks and a pencil and then start walking around town. If it's somewhere with like a downtown, you can actually walk and kind of get inspiration from that for future, you know, furniture projects or whatever. Because sometimes, you know, that arch in the architecture or a certain pattern in the architecture would make a good table base or it could make, you know, a good tabletop, whatever it might be. Yeah. But you can get a lot of inspiration from things like that where you're on a business trip and you, you know, maybe you don't design on the computer. Maybe you don't do CAD work and you only draw with paper and pencil. This guy, this guy, this exactly. guy. Exactly. Yep. So take a paper and pencil and go around town. And sit. most people, you know, will sit down and look at, if it's a touristy destination, they'll look at the architecture or the local things anyway. Like San Antonio has a river walk that I walked on. And there were all kinds of, you know, minute details in the architecture or the the little river walk area they had that, would be good for things like table bases or even, you know, end tables or things like that. So even if you're out without your shop or you're on a business trip without your shop, whatever it might be, figure out what you can work on while you're there, whether it's design work. So I've gone on business trips and I have, I've actually packed my microphone before and done voiceover for videos. <laughs> and I've also done, you know, illustrator work in my hotel room because most of the time you're working in front until, you know, 5, 6 p.m., whatever it is, and you go to dinner. And then instead of watching TV, I would typically work on stuff if I was in the hotel room or I would turn on the TV and still work on stuff because sometimes yeah. you just want the background noise. I mean, TV is TV is one of my favorite background noises because it feels like there's people around you. You know, there's there's conversations and things going on, but yeah. you can still focus on what it is that you're doing because it's not like you're going to offend it's someone a, on. It's a fine line between, you know, having it as background noise and letting it distract you, though. That's true. That's true. I mean, that's just I mean, that's more pure individual. Yeah. Some people, they have if they see the screen, they have to look at it. Other people cannot. I mean. It just depends on the day for me. Sometimes I can completely zone out the TV and let it run, and I'll just focus on Instagram. I'm just going through. It's like, man, this is new, nice. Somebody's making a cabinet. Somebody's working on a set of chest, chest drawers. This man right here is, is looking at Instagram while he is podcasting. Shame on you, sir. Hey, I'm still paying attention to you. I know. I know. That's fine. I had to take a phone call a few minutes ago. So hmm. Yeah, see? There, there you go. go. Yeah. But... You're talking about walking around looking at architectural details like in a downtown or something like that. If you are really, really, really nerdy like I am, find a museum, especially like a town or county museum, because a lot of times there's not a fee. There's like a, hey, please donate to keep our museum alive. Um, Which, I mean, I'll try try to donate if I can, if if I have cash or something like that. Or buy like a little knickknack from the store, something. Um, but a lot of times these little town and county museums have some real interesting little, you know, nuances about them. Mm-hmm. I wish whenever I was out on the coast, I could have done that. I was not far from Beaufort, North Carolina, which is home to some like crazy, crazy boat races. There was huge boat yards. A lot of sailing happened out of there. I wish I could have gone to Beaufort. Um, and, and looked at that, but, and also looked at the antique stores for some sweet, like, timber frame tools and things like that, but I couldn't. Um, unfortunately, I missed it, but I still saw plenty of, still saw plenty of, uh, of, of, uh, nice influences and things like that because of being on the coast, sailing ships, things like that. They were, they have a lot of really unique architectural features and also really, really unique, um, woodworking features because building a boat uh is is completely 
it's 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 almost on the complete opposite side of, of building furniture. The well, joints are similar, but it takes a whole different mindset to build a boat. Well, and with this community, anymore, if you're traveling somewhere for work or whatever, even then you can say, hey, I'm going to be in whatever area this day to this day. I have certain hours available. Is anybody up to meet up? And then you can meet people from different parts of the country. Well, that's all. You know, I wish I I should have thought about doing that, but work was not going to be. The work did not allow me to this time. There's sometimes that doesn't help, but there are times where, you know, you know that there's going to be some downtime. Yeah. Or at least, you know, maybe you have to fly in the day before and the only flight was early, so you're going to be there for, you know, seven hours or something. You can try to meet up with people. Yeah. I mean, I'm normally the uh, the lonely guy at the bar. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. when I go out of town, I normally eat at the bar if I can at a restaurant because sitting at a table by yourself feels very lonely. Sitting at a bar, you can at least talk to maybe another bar patron, talk to the bartender or something. Um, I mean, if you're going to be at a bar anyways, drinking a beer, having a sandwich, something like that, try to meet up with other makers. Try to do something. Um, you know, I, I, I shoot, we had a maker meet up yesterday. I got to meet two new makers in the, in the Greenville, South Carolina area. Uh, I'd never, never met, never heard of before. And, uh, they were very, very nice guys. So it was, it was great to do that. Um, I also got to hang out with Izzy Swan, uh, and, um, Megan from, uh, Sweet Aloha, who was supposed to be on the podcast. She said she's trying to get on the podcast again. Um, just, you know, as, as work allows. So, yeah. Literally, while we were having the maker meetup, her boss called twice. Job too. So the struggle is real. Jeez. The struggle is very real for having a day job. Yeah. And sometimes it's not just a day job. Sometimes it's a weekend job too, or a night job. Sometimes. Um, there's a there's a maker we'd like to bring on here very soon. He actually is a second or third shift manager. I think I can't remember if it's second or third shift. Great guy. One of our original listeners to the podcast. Um, so we want to talk to him about his perspective because his struggle is completely different. No, oh, yeah. While luckily, you know, fortunately he's, you know, whenever all the, all the wood suppliers are open, whenever all the, you know, woodcraft and everything like that is open, he can go to them. He's yeah. got that eight to five to be able to go to them where the rest of us can't because of our day job. That's true. But at night he's got no time at that, night because he's going honestly, to sleep. He's either going to sleep or going to work. That is the biggest struggle is when I'm at work. Everything I need is open, and the minute I get off work, everything is closed. So I have a I went to an acrylic supplier in town to pick up some acrylic, and they close at five. I get off work at five. Or when I lived in South Carolina and I needed, uh, like maple or walnut, I would go to the lumber yard there, and it would be. It was you know till. Thursday it was open till five or five thirty maybe, but on Fridays it was open till like four thirty. So usually I had to go into work early to be able to get off early enough to barely make it before they closed. So typically, if you do work a day job like the you know eight to five time frame, mm-hmm. every supplier you need is open. The minute you get off work. Every supplier you need is closed, and you're stuck with just Home Depot or Lowe's. Because they're they got a day job too. Their day yeah. job is to supply lumber eight to five, and that's it. There are some which that have, I don't that have, have here. some week some weekend hours. Yeah, if you're like lucky. Woodcraft has weekend hours, but yes. there's not one here, and there's no Rockler here. Mm. All I have is there's a Woodworkers Emporium, and there's one other place. One is open on weekends, which is the lumber place, mm-hmm. but it's way more expensive than anything in South Carolina ever was. Just because you live in Nevada, everything's more expensive than yeah. anything in South Carolina was, yeah. except for liquor. Probably, I think liquor's super cheap in Nevada. Maybe, but I don't, the I don't know. the other thing is like the normal woodworking items. Typically, I'd have to buy them online and just have them shipped to my house because. Either I can't make it there before they close. Because even if I get off at 4, 
and they close at five, it takes me an hour to drive there because of traffic. Yes. So half the time I can't even make it. Yeah. Yeah. I, luckily I've been fortunate enough sometimes when I'm traveling, um, because this, this is how it works out. And normally I'm in, I end up either, I'm either driving or working through lunch when I'm traveling. Um, if, if it's like a there and back in a day sort of situation. Mm-hmm. So if I can, if I can try to find some place to go to, uh, I will try to go there and, you know, use what little bit of time that I have because I have, I've given up my lunch to work or to drive and I'm going to try to spend a few minutes there. Uh, one of my, <laughs> one of my favorite places is Asheville Hardware in Asheville, North Carolina. Yeah. If I'm working up there. If I get done early, I'm gonna hit there and then hit home. Or if I uh, if I'm fortunate enough to be close enough to downtown, I just go there as my lunch, and I just I mean I might eat you know might eat some crackers or something like that, and but go to go to Asheville Hardware to try to get what I need when I can. So there's things you can do to make it work. Some people cannot though. Some people have an yeah. office job that they are obligated to be there these hours. They That's may true. get to leave for lunch. Some of them don't really leave for lunch because, like, the place you used to work at, there was nothing around it. I mean, if we were if you're yeah. lucky, you had Chick Fil A that came to you what two days a week. There was actually there when I went to lunch. If I needed to go to that hardwood supplier, I could actually go because it was close enough. Oh, I, I didn't realize it lunch. was that. I didn't realize that's, that was that close. See, my office it was, was ten on minutes the other away. Side. My office is on the other side of town, so yeah. I can't get there unless I'm driving on that side of town. That was only 10 minutes away. So if I really needed to go, I could go during lunch there. But now, because I work 30 minutes outside of you know, the suburbs of Vegas, so no matter what, it takes me at least 30 minutes to get to the edge of town where everything mm. is. And then it takes like another 30 minutes to get to anywhere from there and by then my lunch is over so i can't go anywhere during lunch that requires you know suppliers or anything like that oh yeah oh yeah so there's ways of ways of working around the struggle sometimes you just have to deal with it um you know many people have asked you know what do you do when you don't have a hardwood dealer anywhere close to you sometimes you do just have to order it now ordering has gotten better over the years um, it used to be super expensive to order wood. It's still a little bit expensive because it weighs a ton. Yeah. Um, but try to find other makers in your area and be like, hey, we're all going to put in 50 bucks on yep. uh, order a walnut and everybody's going to get some walnut. Or there's, and here, there's some people I know that drive up to uh, the Oregon area occasionally, like once or twice a year because mm-hmm. they're going up there for a vacation. And they'll take a trailer knowing that they're going to pick up a bunch of hardwood while they're there and drive yeah. it back because it's cheaper. So if that happens, it's just like, hey, can you pick me up whatever board feet of walnut because it's cheaper yeah. there. You can still get it here, but it's significantly it's cheaper. It's because I don't think walnut trees exist in Nevada. Nothing useful. <laughs> nothing exists, nothing tree-wise exists in, exists here. in Nevada. Uh, mesquite, maybe. Mesquite's actually super pretty, but it is hard as all get out. It's like stone hard, because I think it's mesquite's in the same family, or I think it's in the same family as hickory. So it's it's going to be a super hard hardwood. Yeah. And if all else fails, you can always you know if you have a project that doesn't turn out, you can always just chop it up and just make barbecue. You True. know, I've done that before. Uh, I actually white oak that didn't white oak project that started going and it didn't turn out. Guess what? I have made barbecue at White Oak. I did actually, when I moved, I moved every piece of hardwood I had with me because I knew that it would be more expensive here. I know, and I'm very upset because I wanted some of it. I know. I still moved it all anyway. I know. I hate you. And I'm glad I did. I know. You could have left me some of that. You could have left me some more of that plywood because you've complained that you had to take it with you and you still have it. So I probably will end up using part of that really soon because i need to make i'm going to try to build shelves into that router table frame Uh, or not shelves but drawers so i can store stuff in it because it's all useless space underneath so the question is are you going to make shelves with a laser or not no i'm going to make it with normal tools but i know i I might i might laser engrave some fronts or something 
That might be that might be cool. All right, so we've we've covered a couple couple struggles. The military struggle one. That's that's uh, that's definitely one that that uh, a decent number of makers uh, run across. Uh, the traveling for your job, whether that's uh, long term travel or short term travel, can pull you out of the shop. Sickness. That pulls everyone out of the shop. It doesn't matter who you are. That's affecting everybody. Also, you know, also had kids, families, dogs, cats, you know, going to see relatives, going on vacation because everybody needs vacation. Please take a vacation. It is important. Mental health is important. Yeah, we, we definitely need to take a actual vacation. Yes. I had, I was fortunate enough. We had two days. We went to the beach. But we do have therapy dogs. Not really, Aww. but we have my wife rescued two dogs from the animal control. So now we have too many dogs, but she adopted senior dogs that don't really do anything but want to lay there. Mm-hmm. So here, this one is Ludi. 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 Oh, do you want to give me the other dog? Ludi's very cute. And then, then we also got a Yorkie named Sherbet. Sherbet. My daughter named him. That's cool. That Sherbet works. Sprinkles and Sherbet Ludwig. Sprinkles. Ah, Ludwig. Okay, that's. I was kind of thinking that's where Ludi came from. Okay, Ludwig. So are you are you a big uh, piano classical fan? There are you. My wife picked it. Ah. Take one. I'll hold the other. Oh. So, yeah, so, and open the I podcast mean, for dogs because they're cute and cuddly. Yes, yes. So, uh, makers, listen to the podcast, post your dogs or cats or lizards, something, something, because we gotta have we gotta have a cuteness factor on the podcast. Yeah, I'm not sure that snakes have that much of a cuteness factor, but I guess if you if they're your pet, post them. Um, just because everyone needs a everyone needs a good dog in their life. Mine yeah. is a great dog. She is sleeping, which is her, um, which is her natural state. She sleeps a lot. Uh, she's not that old. She's just super lazy. But so I can ours. totally understand. That's awesome. But yours or dogs are super old, so that's why. Two of them are super old. Bernie's not old. Well, he's kind of. He's like nine. Well, that's eight old or nine. Enough. But we're that's definitely. We found that we're terrier and chihuahua people. Well, that's perfect because Kate is half Chihuahua, half Terrier. Because our this one is pure Yorkie. Oh, that's pretty obvious. Yeah, and uh, I'm guessing your daughter put the bow in the dog's hair. That was the groomer. Oh, well, so when fancy. we picked him up from Animal Control, they put the bow in his hair. Ah, All okay, our dogs so they... are boys, but this one, we don't. You know, we don't care. So they have like flower collars. Yeah, I noticed and that. I was pink like, in their hair." And I, I just thought that. I honestly, just thought that was the girls doing because, based upon your old house, there is a lot of pink and sparkly in your life. There's well, a lot the, of pink and sparkly. The room I'm in is painted pink specifically because the girls picked it. Hey, you got to do what you got to do. Yeah. Family is more important than making. True. So. Because, you know, if you got a family, that's probably the first thing you ever made. You know? Maybe. Best thing you ever made, too. Best thing, yes. Yes. Probably not the first thing. Because I'm Man, sure you made not. something when you were younger. But I, You'd be surprised. A lot of makers I talk to are like, man, I, I got, you know, I got married, got some kids, and just wanted to do something. I wanted to, you know, make, make something. That's true. I mean, shoot, I think uh, I think Matt Cremona said he didn't really get into woodworking until he was, like, in college. And he was not studying. I think he was, like, he's got, like, a degree in internet design or something. It's something. Something computer-based. So he had no, like, frame of reference prior to that to fine woodworking that he does now. And I hate it because he's so good at it. He is good at it. And he's I very, know very nothing good. about the fine kind of stuff he does. I'm terrible yes. at it. Yes. All right, so we're coming up kind of on the end of the thing, uh, end, end of the thing, end of the episode, uh, and we completely forgot to do our our intro that we we, we really enjoy doing. The oh, what, we what are we watching or what are we listening to? We could end with it. 
That's what I'm thinking about doing. That's why I'm kind of like going into it. So I'm going to let you go first because mine's kind of different this week. Because at the condo beach house thing that we were staying at the last two weeks while I've been working, because that was the only thing available for a group of a group of contractors to share, uh, really there wasn't really hardly anything on TV. So I did not watch anything. Um, I have been working my maker brain, and I've been reading the Furniture Bible, and that is by Christoph Pornay. Pornay. I'm not exactly sure how to say his last name. It's P-O-U-R-N-Y, and we'll put a link up to the Furniture Bible because I think it. I think it's an amazing book. I really like it. Um, if you like historical furniture, if you do any antique work. Uh, you do any furniture restoration, this is like a very, very good book for that. Very, very talented guy wrote it. Uh, I think he's been restoring furniture since he was a kid. Uh, and his father was an antiques dealer, if I remember the kind of, you know, uh, forward in the book properly. But don't hold me to that because it's been a little while since I looked at the forward of the book. Trevor, what you got? What are you, what are you watching, listening to, etc., etc.? Last night we watched Hotel Transylvania three. Ooh. With the kids. Is that which... the Hotel Transylvania that's not in a hotel, they're on a cruise ship? Yes. Uh, thought I had I thought I had seen the advertisement correctly. It was pretty good. That's it good. was a good family movie. Beyond that, I haven't been watching much other than, you know, how to videos on YouTube or something. So. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. I've missed quite a bit of YouTube. Uh, should should be watching more YouTube. That's how I get. That's how I get a decent amount of knowledge, and also just keep to keep up to date on things. Is is YouTube? Yeah. Um, yeah. Other than that, so. I've just been trying to organize and clean up the garage as the electrician is there, because you know it's like anything else. They have to cut out pieces of drywall that actually are there. I don't have a lot yes. of drywall in the garage, but they cut out what they needed to, mm-hmm. which and then drilled hole through the studs they need to, so that makes mm-hmm. a big mess. Yes. So I still need to clean up a lot of that, but overall, that's about all that I've been working on. That's what you got that big dust collector for, man. Just hook that thing up and just suck it all up. Yeah, because I think don't you have don't you have that like nice little rocker rockler like adapter kit thing where it's got a handle you can just like use it like a yeah. vacuum, which I will for the parts that are on the same side of the garage as the dust collector. But there's so much stuff in between that and the other side um, that I can't fit it, so ooh. I'm gonna have to sweep it, probably. Oh no, breaking out the hand tool, for shame, for shame! Yeah. You have to break out the hand tool. Yeah. Go old school. Go Burn. old school. Go old school. Cool. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we have eaten up another hour of your life listening to the podcast. But hopefully, hopefully you took hopefully in it was a, a good lot. Thing. Well, exactly. Hopefully you took in a lot of information. Um, for those of you out there that have struggles in your making that take you away from your shop or, or don't allow you to do the making that you want to do because of because of life struggles. If we didn't touch on those, let us know and we can definitely do a follow up to this episode or or we can do a, you know, a kind of Q&A to this episode, rebuttal, something. Um I'm we're very happy to do it because I think this episode is something that's not just a one and done episode. It's a thing that's constantly ongoing. But yep. uh Sounds I think good. I think that should have it. Trevor, I'll see you take later. Take it easy. Have a good one. You too. Thank you for listening to our show. Be sure to check out MakerVisionPodcast.com where we post valuable resources, tips, and info about anything we've talked into, talked about in today's shows or past shows. And all these things are to help your Maker Vision become a Maker Reality. If you have any questions or suggestions or any comments about what you heard today or, once again, in previous episodes, feel free to drop us a line at MakerVisionPodcast at gmail.com on Instagram at MakerVisionPodcast, or through mine and Trevor's personal Instagram accounts, and that is Old South Woodcraft or Maker Experiment. If you like the show, please give us a five-star review and uh, and just some really nice words to, to let us know how good we're doing. Or if you didn't like it, let us know what you didn't like about it. 
Either way, we're happy to hear from you. And you can go and do that on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. Once again, thank you for joining us on our podcast, and we really look forward to hearing, hearing from you next week. 